I think really the big thing is to acknowledge that there is a problem and that when you've been in athletics your entire life, it can be kind of hard to see. It can be hard to coach a kid through a transition when you've never transitioned. Like you played college, you went overseas for five years, you came back and coached. How can you talk to a kid about life after ball? Life ball has not ended for you. So that's why we got to bring in these outsiders, bring in somebody else. Because like I said earlier, the world of college, college athletics, it's amazing. I love it. It's fun. But it's a fantasy world. In the real world, they don't pay for your flights and your hotel and give you three meals. You're on your, you got to get it on your own. So if we can acknowledge the problem, the first chapter section in my book is Houston, we have a problem. And I literally lay out the difference between a regular student and a and an athlete and what happens when they leave. And the coaches who read the book were like, oh my God, I didn't know it was this bad. And I'm like, yeah, it, it's right in front of your face, but it's hard for them to see a lot of times. I want to create something that I wish my younger self could have had when I first entered the profession, which is a platform to serve and impact the next generation of coaches. Young coaches, young professionals, young leaders, they need to see black faces and they need to um, know their story. Personal lives are generally publicized within our profession, so our platform will be very unique because our guests will all share their powerful stories to help our listeners unlock their potential greatness. Guys, this episode right here is with a really dope soul, um, Joy Walker. Uh, she's an entrepreneur. She's an author. She's a former athlete, former coach, um, and a former administrator. Uh, she brings us a completely different perspective than um, some of the other guests that we've had. And that's one thing that makes this episode so special. Um, you know, as I mentioned, she's an author, um, also a podcaster and an entrepreneur. And um, what she learned during her time as a student athlete is that, you know, what we learn as student athletes, you pretty much have the tools to like dominate anything, you know what I'm saying? Not just um, getting ready for life after college as far as a job or whatever the case may be, but, you know, building your legacy. Um, she really talks about um, building your legacy. Uh, she wrote a book and it's, it's called, um, sets for life and is about pretty much, you know, taking what you learn, you know, as an athlete and transitioning that not just to the real world, but into something that, you know, you can build your legacy within and, um, you know, do, do more, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, I'm excited for you guys to listen to her. She, like I said, she brings a completely different perspective. Um, and this episode is really going to blow you away. Uh, you're right, Ish. You know, I think we all got a lot in common because obviously we all um, were former athletes, you know, and then we turned right into the profession. Um, and she said something, you know, that, that hit me really hard uh, during the conversation. She said, uh, you know, as an athlete, especially one that may have had success over those four years of, of college, she said you go from being celebrated to when you graduate being forgotten. And it's the truth, you know what I mean? Because when you're an athlete um, and you walk in that campus every single day and you're playing in those games, everybody and their mama, they know you. Mm -hmm. They praise you, you know what I mean? Um, they show a lot of love. But once you graduate, 
and you know you go into this real world and you're walking into Walmart, you know what I mean? You're walking down the street, man. Nobody they they don't know you from Joe Schmo. And you gotta you gotta recreate yourself, you gotta reinvent the wheel. Um and so the thing that I really admired from this conversation is that joy challenges challenges us as coaches to really add diversity to our student athletes while they're in our presence. Um, of course, we bring value as basketball coaches. And obviously as, as mentors, we, we try to give them the wisdom that we can, but by adding other people in their life uh, over those four years to help them kind of see themselves outside of being an athlete. So like she said, when they are done with basketball, and some may have an opportunity to continue to play professionally, others, she said, you don't want to find yourself unemployed and depressed, trying to figure out what's next. Um, and so that's what I really enjoyed, you know, throughout this conversation, because I thought she brought a unique perspective, um, especially of her talking about going from being a student athlete to now being an entrepreneur. Um, and she's had, you know, various of different jobs in between that time um she felt like she really found herself and i know for me um i enjoy hearing it and i and i think you guys will as well um throughout this whole conversation absolutely um nikki brought up a great point when it comes to going from being celebrated to you know basically being like you know who are you type thing. Um, a lot of uh, issue that a lot of people don't talk about is like, you know, post-athlete depression. You know what I'm saying? Like, because, and this was something that we talked about in the conversation, like, you know, you go from being, like, you go from being all of this and then you're like, dang, what do I do next? And, you know, a lot of players, like, go through that. And kind of like being a student athlete, we talked about this, it, it's kind of like a fantasy. Like everybody's quoting you everywhere. Um, you got your coaches making sure you get here, get there. And then once that time is over, it's over. And it's like, now what? So this definitely, um, you know, challenges coaches or sport administrators, sport administrators or whoever to just look at, um, look at your student athletes as a whole. And also, you know, as you said earlier, bring more diversity into um, preparing the student athlete for to, to do whatever to take over the world because um, that is what they're able to do and that's what they're you know preparing themselves to do. So um, you're really gonna enjoy this episode. Um, like I said, get get ready to be blown away. Get ready to hear a different perspective. Um, yeah, just get ready to be challenged. Be challenged as a coach, as a leader, and also for yourself. Um, it's a good challenge to look at yourself as more and also think about how you can um, build a legacy outside of, you know, what you do in your profession as well. So I'm excited for you guys to hear this just like any other episode. Make sure you bring your pen, your notebook, and let's get ready to rock. Welcome back to the Black Excellence in Sports podcast. We have Joy Walker with us. Um, thank you for, for joining us today, Joy. Thank you so much for having me. It is an honor to be on your podcast today. Thank you. This is the Black Excellence in Sports Podcast. We interview those who we believe have demonstrated Black excellence. We want to use their story, their voice, their testimony to help you unlock the greatness within yourself. Coach, Coach Jay, Joy, um, how do you define Black excellence? 
that's the million dollar question, right? Especially in today's times. I think that there's so many different ways to define it, but for me, it comes down to one word and that's pride. And I think that every generation has a different definition. For my grandmother, it may have been the way she dressed and the way she presented herself because she was taught that as a black person, you have to have, you know, you have to work so much harder. You have to prove yourself. Maybe for my mom, she had a different definition. But for me, it's all about pride. It's about how I show up, how I represent not just myself, but whether it's my family, uh, my former players, whoever it is, I think it all comes down to pride. That's what Black excellence is really, really about to me. Joy, can you talk about some people in your life that have demonstrated Black excellence? Uh, my, the most influential person in my life was my grandmother. She would always tell the story from the time I was six weeks old until whenever she just had me. And it wasn't always about what she said. And she always took time to pour into me and to tell me how special I was and how talented I was. But it was just watching how she moved watching how she interacted with people she was just the epitome i feel like if i were to look up black excellence in the dictionary her picture would be right there because she just had so much so much grace and so and it wasn't about necessarily because she only had you know a high school education but she was just the end all be all just whenever i think of an example of what an excellent black woman looks like what having pride and being black i just think about my grandmother and that example that she set for me Joy, being a Black woman, talk to us about what you take pride in. I think the biggest thing that I take pride in is my legacy and knowing that I'm not going to be here forever, but I can have an impact that lasts so much longer than me being here. I think that that I started, you know, in coaching and wanting to impact other people, but really, really, I think sitting down um, and writing my first book was how I was like, okay, this is one way I can set myself up to long after I'm gone, I can still inspire, I can still pour into people, people can still be motivated by my story. So I think that just taking pride in my work, whether it is working on a book, working on a podcast, working on a business, mentoring somebody, just taking pride and knowing that just like when you take pride in when I was playing, I didn't walk out on the court with my jersey untucked or my shoes looking crazy. Like I took pride in how I showed up on the court. I took pride in my footwork, whatever it was. Now I take pride in my work because that is a representation of me and who I am and what I'm all about. Now guys, um, Joy has chosen a interesting career path. Um, she has interviewed a lot of amazing people and I, I want to ask her um out of the people that you've interviewed um who would you say or it could be a, if it could be a couple people um who would you say have demonstrated black excellence that, that stands out to you um is there a certain story a certain um you know anything that they have shared with you that that kind of stands out when it comes to black excellence I think that a big part of Black excellence is about overcoming obstacles. It, it's hard to be a woman. It's hard to be a, a Black man. It's hard to be a minority in certain situations in this country. And I think it will be hard to name just one or two because I've literally interviewed, I've had over 100 interviews um, and I've interviewed some incredible people. But I think when I sit back and I hear their stories and I 
then they talk about the adversity, whether it's growing up in a single parent household, whether it's being cut from the varsity team and them, you know, having different, different trials, different tribulations. When I sit back, I'm really, and even though I might ask the same questions a hundred times, people might've played, I might've interviewed 50 basketball players who have similar stories, but just hearing what some of us overcome, what we go through, I think a lot of times some others might not be able to walk a mile in, in my shoes or in their shoes. So I'm really, really humbled by the platform and to be able to just share these stories. Like I said, it would be really hard to just pick out maybe one or two because every single story is just so unique, even though we're all athletes and we have similar backgrounds, but just hearing these stories, it just, it blows me away every single time. I feel like when I record a podcast, it's game day to me now. Like I get so excited about it. So Joy, your, your platform is, well, it, it was to help athletes kind of transition into their um into their career outside of athletics um and it was to help them understand that they were more than an athlete what have you learned about yourself in that transition from what what have you learned about being more than an athlete within yourself what are, what are some things have you that you've learned about yourself doing that transition how much time do you have <laughs> I really thought that when I started the podcast and when I wrote the book, which were around the same time, that I was doing this for my 15 players. You know, I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to impact them. And then it just continued to spread. And my mission was really, really to impact other people. But I saw something, I don't know if it was on Twitter or something. It was like, when you start a business, it's the greatest personal development undertaking you could ever go through like we can go to seminars read books listen to podcasts that's great but once you create something and you think that you're really trying to help other people it's kind of funny because it's like you have to if i want to become the number one transition specialist in the country that's going to require me to become a different person i can't be the joy i was two three years ago and chase these goals and have this platform and try to have this influence so I think that as I was trying to tell athletes, hey, you're more than just a basketball player, more than just a football player, I learned, wow, I'm more than just a coach. I am more than just an academic advisor. I am more than just a life skills coordinator. And I'm trying to tell my, I got kids coming in the office, closing the door, you know, just upset, frustrated, you know, Coach Jay, I don't know what I can do outside of this. I've been playing forever. And as I would tell their story and I would, as they would tell me their story and I would challenge them, I would get challenged. And I would wonder, okay, I'm having, I love what I do uh, at this campus, at this university, but instead of maybe impacting my, my 15 kids when I was a coach, I was, when I was an advisor, my 100 kids, maybe I'm not just called to this campus or this university, maybe I'm supposed to impact the world. And that takes on a different level of responsibility. So as I'm telling kids, man, you're more than just a hooper, I'm like, okay, maybe I'm more than just an employee. Maybe I'm more than just this title that I have. So it really, really, it, it's kind of hard to really put into words what I've been through, especially over this last year. I have really been stretched, but it's been a good thing because it forced me to grow. But I really thought that I was out here, you know, just trying to help kids, just who were in the position I was in when I had this blank resume because I was so, just so focused on ball and wasn't really ready for life after it forced me to realize that I was so much more than my job title. So that's really, to, to sum it up, that's really what it has been. It has been a personal development journey unlike any other. Joy, I was listening to one of your episodes on your podcast, 
um, a couple of days ago, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it was the one title, the last one. All right. And within that, you said you were going to take some time away, um, kind of from doing the daily duties that you normally do. What provoked you to do that? And then go ahead. Go ahead. I want to hear this. <laughs> you know, when I started the podcast, it was in May of 2018 and I was an assistant coach. Um, that's a great question. I can't lie. That's a great question. I was an assistant coach and my whole thing was really, really teaching athletes how to take, I mean, look, I mean, we get up at 5 a.m. We go run three miles. We go lift weights. We go to film. We go to class. We go to breakfast. We go to film again. We go to individuals. We go Like we do all these things that the average person, like their head would explode. We miss class, we come back, we still pass the class. Like we do some things that other people just can't do. And I might be biased, but I just love student athletes. I feel like they are an incredible group of people. So with my platform, with me, I was like, okay, maybe I wanna be a head coach. Maybe I wanna be an AD. That's where I was at the time when I first created the platform, when I first started doing the podcast. But over the last two, two and a half years, things have changed and I've really, I've really tried to just pull back the layers and really try to understand who I am and what I'm called to do. And I was in a position where I had to, because there's a lot of red tape in athletics. We might say that we have student athlete development, but it's really cookie cutter. It's really one size fits all. And I can sit in on every meeting. I could keep climbing the ranks. I was an administrator at what, 29. A lot of people dream of doing that. You know, I, I had every title that everybody wanted, but I would try to, I would try to tell people what was going on with students because I was, I was on the ground. I could, I could feel the pulse of the student athletes. I could feel their pain points. And I just started to question if, maybe I shouldn't really tell students, and not saying it's a bad thing, maybe my entire message shouldn't be, hey, take these transferable skills that you have and go dominate as a teacher, go dominate uh, in construction, in whatever, like whatever field it is, I was really telling them, this is how you take what you did in an athlete and go dominate in the workplace, because that's what I was doing. I was really trying to stand out in the workplace, get the bigger job with the better name across my chest. That's what I was chasing. But over this last year, I've been self-employed. I've been working for myself and I have seen that, and it's not for everybody, but in my personal opinion, entrepreneurship is the ultimate sport. I have never been stretched, tested or rewarded the way that I have been as an entrepreneur. So now it's like, okay, I was, I was, I had this message and this platform that was very similar because like our sport is a hot topic right now. I don't have the only like our sport podcast our book, but a lot of us sort of tell the same message. Okay, you were amazing here and you might have this blank resume, but you have what it takes to go dominate in the workplace. So it made me think athletes can go dominate in the workplace and they want to do that. I'm all for that. I'm all for it. But what if more athletes got serious about starting their own business? What if, and I think that a big problem in the black community is that we're not economically empowered. And no matter what job I had, I, I had some great jobs, worked with some great people, had some great opportunities. None of, no job I ever had allowed me to use my entire skill set. No job I ever had paid me what I was worth. And it just made me question, what am I telling athletes what 
I was fed to believe all these years or am I telling athletes my truth and my experience and my story? So as I'm really growing myself, I, I felt that I couldn't keep putting the same message out there to student athletes. So I'm like, okay, let me hit the pause button. Let me do some reflecting and let me take the last three months of this year off and really, really consider what kind of message I want to give to my listeners. Like, how do I want to challenge them? I don't want to just keep feeding them the same thing. Oh, nobody wants cold food, right? I need something that they're going to be interested in, something they maybe haven't heard before. So that's why I really had to hit the pause button and say, okay, Joy, I, and I'm big on consistency. Like I had the podcast come out every single Monday for two and a half years. I'm like, you know, I, I got to stop because I don't want this cookie cutter message. I don't want this message that says, you know, that because co college athletics is like, it's a beast, right? So we just, we take these kids from athletics and then we go put them into this other machine that's corporate America. And I'm like, that's cool. And that's for some people, but what if that's not for everybody? And my message might not be for everybody, but I just really had to question, what is it that I really want to to tell student athletes. And now that I've been an entrepreneur full time for about a year now, I'm just like, I think that more athletes need to consider this. They need to be, and a lot of times we're not exposed to it. Like you have career day and you have lawyers, engineers, architects, nothing wrong with that, but you don't really have the business owners come in and just plant that in the, in the kid's ear. Like maybe I can start my own business. It's not something, and it's especially for blacks, it can seem so far fetched. Like I don't have a rich uncle to cash me out and get me, you don't need that. You have this amazing skill set that can really set you up to be an owner, to uh, to empower yourself financially, not just you know, not just yourself, but your family, your community. So I've just really had to hit the pause button to figure out what it is that I really, really, really want to tell my listeners. Great answer, Joy. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, you you sort of answered this, but I, I want to dig deep into into this. So you. You were administrator, you were academic advisor, um, you were a coach on a college campus. What do you think um, coaches, administrators are doing wrong to prepare the student athlete? What can they do better? Because um, a lot of our listeners um, are coaches. So if you, know, you can provide any insight on what is needed and what, what the student athletes need to, to do better and, and where are they failing when it comes to prepping student athlete again how much time do you have um <laughs> and it's not that coaches are necessarily doing things wrong i love coaches outside of my grandmother the other two most influential people in my life have been my basketball coaches but at the end of the day i have to and i was really really hard on coaches when i first started this platform like oh coach you gotta do more you're not doing enough but somebody told me joy a coach is a basketball coach and i was like hmm that's a good point and i think that a lot of times I think that they can take the same approach they, they take when they recruit players. You can take the same approach when you hire staff. As a head coach, you're not going to hire assistant coaches who all have the same specialty, who all do the same thing. Yeah, you need somebody who can recruit. You need somebody who can develop. You need somebody who can be the bad cops. You need all these things. On a basketball team, I'm not going to go out and recruit 10 point guards every year. That's stupid. I need I need different positions. I need different skill sets. So in preparing your kids for life after sport, you need some diversity. I think that the biggest issue with administrators and coaches is that the world of college sports, and I played there, I worked there for years. It's amazing, but it is a fantasy world. The real world does not work like college athletics. Every job I got 
as a coach, as an administrator, was because of who I played for or who I knew. Coaching, athletics, it is 100% networking. 99 times, if I want a job at a power five school, I'm not sending in my resume and getting that job. I have to know somebody. But when you go into corporates, because I went to school for accounting, so that was that's why I talk about corporate. That was my background. I went into corporate America. When I go into corporate, I can't call up my coach and say, hey, coach, can you give me this job? So what a lot of coaches and administrators fail to realize is that because they got their first job from their old head coach, or they got this job because somebody been on the road in July and built this relationship. Like once you get out of that, you have to learn how to enter. Like you might interview for HR purposes, but come on now, we know how coaching works, how these jobs work. Like it's 100% networking. And I think that a lot of times because coaches and administrators have only worked in athletics, they don't understand the problem. They can't see the problem. They're blind to it. And it's not a bad thing, but it's, it's reality. So I think that, and when I talk to maybe academic advisors or coaches who took a gap year, coaches who went and did something else and came back, they can see it and they DM me. They're like, Joy, you know, a lot of people might not agree with some of the things you tweet, some of the things you say, but it's real. Like our kids are not prepared. So whether it is bringing in some outside influencers who have not been in athletics their entire life, I think that's one thing they can do. And just really begin to challenge themselves. Like, put yourself in your player's shoes. It's, it can be difficult. It's not going to be easy. It's not a problem that we're going to solve overnight. But I think that before we can even really address the problem, we have to acknowledge the problem. A lot of coaches are like, okay, you know, I brought you here. I got you a scholarship. I got your school paid for. That's it. No, because when we're recruiting these kids, when they're in the eighth grade, 11th grade, whatever, we're promising these parents, hey, I'm going to take care of your kid. Your kid's going to be good here. It's about more. We have to realize it's about so much more than these APR points. It is about so much more than these graduation rates. Like these statistics don't mean anything. If your kid is like me, and after graduation, they're sitting on the couch, unemployed, depressed. Like, and it's one thing to maybe graduate from college if you didn't play sports and you know you can't find a job, whatever. But if you go from being the man or the woman on campus, you got all your sweet gear, everybody knows you, they hey, good game last night. You go from being celebrated to being forgotten in a matter of months, that you go into a dark place. So it's about so much more than just the career development and landing a job or starting your business. It's about making sure, and we, a lot of times we talk about mental health because it's cute to talk about, but we don't really dig into it. Like we're so focused on the next recruiting class. Oh, this class of 2022, 2023. What about your kid who graduated two, three years ago? And not your favorite, not the one who you have this relationship, maybe the one who you, you know, you guys bump heads. When's the last time you checked on them? I could keep going, but... <laughs> But I think, I think really the big thing is to acknowledge that there is a problem and that when you've been in athletics your entire life, it can be kind of hard to see. It can be hard to coach a kid through a transition when you've never transitioned. <laughs> like you played college, you went overseas for five years, you came back and coached. How can you talk to a kid about life after ball? Life ball has not ended for you. So that's why we got to bring in these outsiders, bring in somebody else, because like I said earlier, the world of college, college athletics, it's amazing. I love it. It's fun, but it's a fantasy world. In the real world, they don't pay for your flights and your hotel and give you three meals. You're on your, you got to get it on your own.
So if we can acknowledge the problem, the first chapter section of my book is Houston, we have a problem. And I literally lay out the difference between a regular student and a and an athlete and what happens when they leave. And the coaches who read the book were like, oh my God, I didn't know it was this bad. And I'm like, yeah, it, it's right in front of your face, but it's hard for them to see a lot of times. Wow. Um, and the Nick and I were literally just talking about this. Um, and, and it's so crazy because I tell people, like, you know, people look at me and think that I just had this straight path to where, to where I am. And literally the biggest thing that I did when I was a student athlete um, was go all, go on campus. Um, I started, I, I developed a whole life outside of being an athlete. Um, and, the, and the biggest thing that I did that was the best thing for me was be a freshman orientation leader. Like that was the biggest thing. That was big in any game that was bigger any practice any season that whole experience exposed me to you know regular student life and 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 in that group and in that that lifestyle and it made me want to appreciate it appreciate what i had and one it made it gave me perspective on you know real world you know what i'm saying um but i, I want to go back to what you said about it's hard to help people through a transition when you have not transitioned i literally like me and me and nick were just talking about that and my next question was going to be um the things that you talk about on your platform for student athletes are the same things that coaches fall victim to um as well so i, I want to get your perspective on what do you think um how can coaches look at themselves as more than a coach and not necessarily saying oh i'm, I'm a mentor i'm a this that like more than this profession and kind of think about ownership and and you know living a life outside of this profession as well what, what are your thoughts on that and how can coaches expand themselves you know with the limited time they do have um off or whatever the case may be how can they look at things a little bit different my platform like you said is for the student athletes but sometimes i think the coaches have a bigger problem seeing it than the kids at least the kids are a little bit younger and they haven't necessarily been like smacked in the face by life like maybe some older people have but and i say a lot of times you know you're more than just an athlete but you got to realize you're more than just a coach and a lot of times when we get done playing we might go into a dark place because ball is over but if a coach gets fired they just are ready to go jump off of a bridge somewhere like their entire and it's sad and I, and I have so much respect for coaches I feel like coaching is sacred um, I didn't get into coaching right out of undergrad because I felt like I needed to mature like I, I don't take that lightly you talk about when somebody is still in their formative years having them under your wing for two three four years whatever the case may be like coaching is is huge and it is so easy to get wrapped up in it and be like and you see like it's glitz and glamour on tv or whatever like it's easy to just get sucked into it and just really you know aspire to just make it to the next level and the next level and the next level but i think that the same way student athletes i encourage them to explore you know what are some of your other gifts what are some of your other times? I say on my podcast all the time, you can do more than just hit that step back. You can do more than just knock down that game winning free throw. And coach, you can do more than just draw up something sweet during that 30-second timeout. You can do more than just recruit the best talent. And if you, if you look at what you do as a coach and you talked about ownership, right, and 
I think it's important for coaches to realize that they are brands. They have a talent that a lot of people who own businesses wish they had because a lot of times it comes our success comes down to people right like if you don't have the right people working with you working for you you can only do so much yourself but as a coach you have this you you can't climb the ranks as a coach if you can't recruit and surround yourself with great staff with great players so if you were to literally if you were to look at what you do for your university and maybe you're thinking about stepping away you know maybe you want to do something else i get a lot of coaches who say i don't even really want to coach anymore but i don't know what else i can do and i would encourage that listener that person to do what you're already doing and, and do it for yourself. You're already a great recruiter. You're already a great manager of different personalities. Every single one of us, whether we work at, I don't know, a, a big company or a school, every single one of us, I, I read this on Twitter, we all run multi-million dollar businesses. Whether it is a company, whether it's the universe, like you're, you're running a multi-million dollar franchise. So why don't you cut out the middleman and do it for yourself? And this is just for the ones who really, I, I talk to them and they're on the fence. They're like, Joy, you know, I want to do more. I want to try something else. But I, I've been coaching for five, 10 years. I wouldn't know where to start. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. You can literally take what you're doing. I took what I was doing on my job and now I just do it for myself. It's not rocket science. And I think it is so important for more of us to tap into ownership. And it can be more than just you know, maybe a lot of coaches, like they have their summer camp that they run or something like that. There are just so many things that you can do. And you have to, like I said, tap into those other gifts, those other talents. You can do more than just, like I said, call that set during a timeout. You can do more than just recruit. You can do more than just put a practice plan together. There's, there's no way you were sent to this earth and all you can do is coach basketball. You've got to be kidding me. Like the way I would get in the kids' face, like if a coach were to really like, I don't know what else I can do. I'm like, are you serious right now? Like we have so much untapped potential. And like I said, coaching is sacred. Coaching is great. But if you're questioning if there's more, if you're feeling this tug within like, I, I want to try something else, man, go, go for it. Don't be scared. Understand that you can do more than just blow that whistle. Man, Joey, I've... Uh... I'm just sitting here and listening, man, and really trying to take in your perspective because I do. I really love it. Um, and obviously, uh, I resonate with a lot of what you're saying uh, for somebody like myself that's, you know, been around athletes since the age of five or athletics since the age of five, you know, and then obviously played college ball, then jump right into coaching. And for somebody like myself, Joy, I'll be honest, I have a lot of curiosity um, as well when it comes to I know that I'm capable of doing more outside of this profession. I mean, me and Isha, it's funny. We, we, had a, we had a very long conversation before you hopped on, and that was something that we both talked about from a standpoint of, you know, if we was to somehow quit this profession or get let go, you know, within this profession, you know, we know we have something else that we'll be doing that following week. Um, and I think that comes and derives, you know, from our curiosity, um, our own intentional growth, um, around things that we like outside of just the sport. But I'm going to ask you this, because I really want to hear your perspective. What if this is all somebody know? Because as you talk, as you talk, from, my from how I look at it, from the outside looking in, um, I think the reason why some coaches struggle or they make the comments to say, 
man, this is all that I know. Because it goes back to when they were a student athlete, possibly. You know, they weren't educated. They didn't get an opportunity to be surrounded by things outside of that whatever sport it was. Right now we're talking basketball. Like they weren't, they weren't put around other people that was able to get their wheels turning in their head. So how can you help those coaches kind of step outside the box and not get caught up into the fact that, well, this is all I know, especially those that have been doing it years upon years upon years upon years. You know what? <laughs> I feel like at this point in my life, I would honestly look that coach in the face and call them a hypocrite. I would call them a hypocrite because when we recruit, let's say I recruit a guard who cannot dribble with their left hand, the only time they can score is if I run them off two, three screens. I'm going to be constantly trying to add to this kid's game. By the time you're a junior or a senior, you're going to be able to create your own shot. Like I'm going to run you through drill after. I'm not going to let you come in as a freshman and, and have that same skill set for four years. If I do that, I failed you. So as a coach, I can't say, if my player were to say, well, all I can do is score when you run me off the double stagger screen. I, as a coach, I cannot say that all I can do is coach, whether it is YouTube University, Google, the library, the, expose yourself to something else. Stop watching ESPN top 10 24 seven. If there's something, I don't care if it's gardening, go get a book on gardening. If it's entrepreneurship, check out a podcast, expose yourself. When we wanna get our kids better, we put them through different drills. We put them in different situations. Put, do what you do to your kids, to yourself. Get uncomfortable. Get out of your comfort zone. Challenge yourself. A lot of times we, we, we want to feel big and bad because we got the whistle. We got this. We got that. Who's blowing the whistle for you? Who's coaching you? Who's pushing you? So we, we got to do this. We got to practice what we preach. That's what it comes down to. Get uncomfortable. Like we, we want to make our kids uncomfortable as, as possible. We want practice to be hell so that the game is easy. Well, you got to do the same thing. And don't tell me you don't have time because as a division one assistant, I found time to, to podcast, to write the book. Like, so don't tell me you don't have time. You and I understand the dedication, the time that it takes to win, to, to grow, to do all that. But if you were just to do the same thing to your yourself that you do to your players you would realize that you have more in you Joe, what about the what about the coach right that says i do have more time but i use that time to develop my craft right i want to be a head coach i want to be a successful head coach so the time that i have that i can go youtube podcasts or read books in those other areas or whatever the genre may be I'm trying to make sure I prepare myself to be able to coach at Georgia, Duke, North Carolina as an assistant, as a head coach. And so talk to that, that listener that's saying, I hear you, Joy. Like it may, it makes sense. It's good for you, but you're not trying to do this thing for a long period of time. Like I am, you're not trying to be successful. Like I am. What would you say to them? I would say, coach, I hear you. That's, that's great. Those are great aspirations to want to coach at that level. I know you have to take it serious, but I think that no matter what profession we're in, coaching is not the only demanding profession. There are a ton of professions that require a lot of time. But if all I do 24-7 is watch film and talk to AAU coaches, and this, that's like going to the gym and working my triceps all day, every day. Like, how much sense would that make? To go to, to, go to the gym, you got access to all these machines, and all you work is your triceps. No abs, no lower body, no biceps, no. I just work my triceps twenty four. How are you gonna look? 
if all you work and it's and maybe you want to you know coach at the power five level be an assistant coach be a, be a head coach that's great but think about how being more well-rounded will help you as a person will help you as a coach will help you to recruit because you can have a conversation with different people like like i said it's like literally going to the gym and working one muscle you have to find time to work these other muscles if you really want to develop overall as a person amen to that amen <laughs> Um, I want to go back to what you said about, you know, if a coach, um, get fired or let go, whatever the case may whatever the case may be. And, you know, it's, it's, you know, like the end of the world and, you know, I'm not, I'm not taking that lightly. I know that could be, be tough. Um, and then also going to what you said about if a coach say they can't do more than, or they don't see themselves as more than they're being a hypocrite. Right. So, um, I, where where I'm going with this is like, if 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 as a coach you can't take a loss, uh, a setback in life, how can you help other people? How can you be an example for other people with taking set setbacks in life? And I was like I said, I was literally just telling Nick, I was like, if if anything happens to me, if I if I get fired or if um you know long time from now if I'm a head coach and I get fired. Please don't send me no sob story. Please don't be on Twitter, you know, telling them that she deserved better. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm good. You know what I'm saying? And, and when you have that approach, when you, when you can demonstrate that, I think that it's easier for you to, to be an example for your players when you can have that resilience in anything, your profession, whatever the case may be overall, just like we want to for them. But I, I want to transition to um, about you for a second. All right. So when you was a student athlete and you, you graduated and then you, you was kind of stuck. And um, can you talk about personally what, what you overcame and what that moment was like when you felt down and things like that? And how do you kind of how do you kind of overcome that, um, you know, that the moment of, you know, how to deal with your mental health and things like that um, to help our listeners? Want to take me back to a dark place, but okay, no. Uh, so what happened was I graduated December 2011, and I went to grad school the following spring. No, the following fall semester. So I, went, I enrolled in grad school August of 2012. So that wasn't a whole lot of time. So I kept myself really busy, like I was working multiple jobs just to sort of save up so I go to grad school because I didn't really want to sit still and just feel that that pain i promise you i was 22 23 years old and i was working like 100 hours a week like i was just moving like a mad woman just so i wouldn't have to sit still and deal with the fact that basketball was over so i go to grad school i'm in a one-year program uh breeze the program it was really easy i had an internship with the atlanta hawks like i'm thinking oh my gosh i got my masters in accounting i played college ball i just interned with an nba franchise i know that these job offers are about to come pouring in like scholarship offers did so i graduate in may i did not get a job offer until the end of september so i ended up having to i lost my apartment in atlanta i'm called my granddad crying. He's like, it's okay, you can come back to St. Louis. So I moved back to St. Louis. I'm in his basement. I'm just in a dark place. And this was the first time I really, because I had been on the go for like a year and a half. I had just been moving, moving, moving. So this was the first time I really sat still. So for some student athletes, it might be like, okay, you graduated in May and then that summer, like it hits you. It was literally a year and a half for me before I sat down 
And I was like, and I was in the back of my mind, I was kind of like, okay, I might try to go overseas. I might maybe need to get in shape, whatever. This was the first time I had to sit down and deal with the fact that basketball was over. And when it hit me, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I spent an entire summer in the basement in the dark, just feeling sorry for myself. Now, what I did to escape was I would go to the library two, three times a week and get books. And that was the only inspiration that I had. I would just read. And for some reason, I was reading nothing but entrepreneurship books. I, did, I should have known something was up then. Like, I'm reading nothing but personal development, entrepreneurship. Like, I'm reading biographies about people who have overcome, overcome these difficult circumstances and situations, just trying to lift myself up. So I literally remember one day, it was like two in the afternoon, but it looked like two, uh, in the morning, it was pitch black. I got the blinds closed, all that stuff. So I literally, I get up off the couch. I go in my bathroom. I look in the mirror and I say, Joy, basketball is over. Mind you, I'm almost two years removed at this point. But I, I, I said it a few times. I was like, Joy, basketball is over. And it was hard for me to talk about then. But a few years later, once I sort of, you know, got back into the groove of things, I remember a conversation I had with my mom and she we were talking about that time and she and she never played sports so she couldn't really relate to that necessarily but she was just like Joe I didn't really know what to say to you but I had never seen you like that it was just like your entire world just came crashing down um and I think that a lot of and I've interviewed a lot of athletes who have similar stories like they're just on the couch like just in complete disbelief like that I've played this sport I started playing organized when I was nine played all the way through college like like basketball tattoos I think I'm gonna play pro forever like all that stuff right everybody has a similar story and when it was over I just really I didn't want to deal with it at first and then once I finally did I was able to say okay that's over so what's next like what do I do next so that's that's sort of what happened to me and how I sort of got started on this journey to really really helping other student athletes who are in that same situation figure out okay ball is over now what do I do next joy I'm curious to hear what was kind of the message from your your college coaches um, leading up to graduation uh, when it was all said and done because I think for me, obviously as a current coach, you know, that's a that's a message you talk to your players kind of a lot about. The ball will stop bouncing. All right, we got to prep you for life. And obviously we got into it a little earlier about, you know, the transition period. But, you know, kind of what was that message uh, that your coaches gave you as you kind of was, was finishing up your college career? I... <laughs> I have some some friends, some teammates who have some horror stories, unfortunately. I, I I promise you to this day, I can call either one of my coaches right now and just talk about anything. I was so fortunate and I don't take it lightly. I played for amazing coaches and coaches who took the time and not, I'm not talking about like a week before I graduated, who were constantly talking to me because I, I was an accounting major. My head coach was an accounting major. So we had different talks about going into accounting. He would talk to me. I had this... <laughs> This is kind of irrelevant. I had like this flashy car and he was like, champ, you might want to, uh, you know, tone the car down, like take the rims off and your windows, like all, like he would talk to me about being a professional and how to present myself. And he would talk to me about these things, but, but it went in one ear and out the other. Like I wasn't really trying to hear it. I was all about ball. And I, I, I heard what he was saying 
And I remember even the text he sent me when I was sitting in my graduation, like how proud he was of me and how I was going to go on to do this and do that. So it wasn't, and I, I can't, if I sat here and said, my coach didn't talk to me about it, I would be lying. My coaches took the time to talk to me, but I just wasn't receptive to it. Like, I feel like when I was a coach, when I was an administrator, a lot of kids do get the message, but there are those who are just like, I'm in my prime, I'm going pro, I'm nice at what I do. So I could talk to them until I was blue in the face. I could hold up my book, like go read this, but they're like, I'm, I'm good. And that was me, I got, that was me as a student. I wasn't trying to hear it. So how do you help them then, Joy? Cause I, cause I love that. But, but from what you're saying and how we try to, you know, really develop the holistic individual, right? Of the student athlete, you can convey the message all you want but it's up to that individual to want to apply the message that they're being given. So how can we help them in our position or in our current roles as coaches to prep them for that, you know, that time when it comes? I don't have a politically correct answer for that question. I got to be honest with you because this isn't like my first go around working with students. Like I've, I've done it for a while. And it's kind of like if I have a post player, because I will work with post, if I have a post player who just refuses to call out screens like, and it frustrates me and I get sick of telling you, you need to call out the screen, call out the screen. But then one day, maybe their best friend, one of the guards just gets nailed by a screen and they see what happens when they don't call out screens. Right. And I'm not saying that I. <laughs> I prefer one group over the other, but now I'm more focused on the kids who have already graduated, the kids who are a few years out, uh, because a lot of times the kids on campus aren't really trying to hear it, to be totally honest with you. So a lot of times they have to fall. They have to get out in the real world and see, man, the ball did stop bouncing. I actually do need a, another plan. So sometimes you gotta, sometimes experience is the best teacher and you gotta let kids fail and then they'll come hey, Coach J, um, about that book, um, about what you were trying to tell them. Like now they want the information. Now they're receptive. So sometimes you can't save all of them when you want to, but when they're ready, at least they know they can come to you to get that information. Nice, nice. Um, you know, and I can kind of say like with my experience, the reason why it helped me was getting in that environment. Um, and I think that's important, being in the environment because, you know, athletes, we – react to the game so if something isn't bothering us if we good the way we are we like all right cool like what they tripping about okay i'm a graduate okay cool but when you place them in, a, in an environment where they are not around students and they have to figure out other ways how to be successful then that's when they can kind of bridge that gap because that's literally um what happened to me when i realized you know okay i can i can navigate in other situations when i was it wasn't it wasn't any place with athletes um but uh, I have this next question for you. Can you discuss like a, a successful moment that you've had in entrepreneurship? Um, you, you've been pursuing that full time um, for, you said, over a year now and um, kind of discuss a, a successful moment that you've had and um, what encouraged you to keep going and what encouraged you to kind of go at it full time and believe that, OK, I can do this full time without needing um, another income. So I'll address the uh, the latter part of that first. I I like numbers, right? I might not be an accountant, but I was an accounting major, and I can I can do a little bit of math. So I was literally at my last job, and I'll be fully transparent with you. I was at my last job, and you know I love podcasts. 
So I'm listening to a podcast and this guy was like, make between, he was like, make up to um, 250 per appointment doing like what he was doing. And he like gave like the range of how much you can make doing it. And I'm listening and I got my, my paper and my pen out and I'm like, hmm, he's talking about an hour's worth of work. And that's more than I make in a day. And mind you, in athletics, we're working 10, 12 plus hours a day, six days a week. So for me, I literally crunched the numbers and saw the potential. Um, so it was sort of like, I don't want to say it was a no brainer because I think that as a society, it's not a bad thing, but we're just conditioned, like go to school, work hard, get a good job. Like, and especially in athletics, it's like, oh, once you get to certain levels, you know, you start at the small D1, you get to a mid-major, you get to a power five, like, oh, you're on your way, you're doing the right thing. For me, I was crunching the numbers, like, okay, this is how many clients I need per day, per week to replace my salary. And I have, an, I have one uncle who's an entrepreneur. And when I was struggling in my last job and thinking about leaving, he was telling me, he said, Joy, once you leave your job, you're going to make more money on your own than you ever have made working a job. And I'm like, you're kidding, right? Like that, that, that's not a thing. Literally my first month full time, I made more than I was making on my job. And every month the business, it just continues to grow. It continues to grow. And the the best part has been because i've been transparent like with my friends my family about what i'm doing so many people have been asking me because i'm not the i think i saw a statistic something like 80 percent of people 85 percent of americans hate their job right most heart attacks in this country happen on monday morning because people are thinking about oh my god i gotta go to this job again i gotta spend another five days here before i get to the weekend right so I, I talk to a lot of people who are frustrated in what they do. They see me and they're like, Joy, you really haven't applied for any jobs or tried to get back in. And even like people who I work with, they're like, well, what if the right opportunity comes around? Would you take it? And I'm like, nah, I'm, I'm good. So I think that a successful moment has been because there have been so many people who have been able to watch my journey over this last year. And they've been asking me about what I've been doing. I've literally, I put together a course um, and I'm working on it now. It's going to release next month. And I have this test group I'm working on now, and it's called the Six Figure Athlete. And I'm literally teaching people what it is that I do uh, because it's not rocket science and it's easy. And part of me taking a break from the podcast and really wanting to reflect and refine my message is that I feel like a lot of us, they, they said that the average starting salary for a college graduate is $50,000. Okay. So, that's average, right? So, and I don't know the numbers, but I'm just going to play devil's advocate. So let's say I, I play college sports at a high level. I didn't intern. I don't necessarily have a ton of relationships with professors or letters of recommendation. So if my, if my classmates, my peers who had three, four internships are making 50 grand, maybe I'm making 30, 40. I don't know, right? I might be making less than that. So I started to question like, why is it that we go so hard for four years. We do what other people can't do. We win championships, all conference accolades, all this stuff. I do, I work, I go hard for four years to go work a job where they pay me $35,000, $40,000. Like that's just, it just, it didn't sit well with me anymore. Um, so I developed this course and I'm calling it the Six Figure Athlete. It's going to be available in November. And I feel like a lot of us aspire to these six figure jobs because we're told, oh, once you make six figures, you, you've made it. But I had a question like, why is six figures the goal? Why can't that be the floor? 
why can't that be the bare? You're telling me as a student athlete, I don't have the skills to go out and command six figures, like making 30, 40, $50,000. I can't really do a whole lot with that other than get up, go to work, pay bills, watch Netflix, go to sleep, right? Like if I want to do more, if I want to start an after school program or start a nonprofit or do like whatever, I need more. Like, and a lot of times we want to talk about our stats, like, oh, I was, I had 25 points. But when it talk, when, especially in our community, talking about money is so taboo. Like black people do not want to talk about money. We don't want to talk about, uh, you know, what we make, this, this, that. But I think it's important. Like, I feel like now as an entrepreneur, my profit and loss statement, my financial statements, those are my new scoreboard, right? Like if I were to score a layup, I could look and see, oh, I just added two points, you know, for the team. Whenever I get a new client, I'm updating my whiteboard, my scoreboard, like, oh, I got a goal to hit this this month and I'm getting so much closer. So with a six-figure athlete, I really want to challenge student, former student athletes, whoever, to stop, stop aspiring for that six-figure job. That's cool, but why not create a business that can make you multiple six figures, that can make you millions? Like, why is the goal of this job when you can look within yourself, you have the hustle? Entrepreneurship comes down to perseverance, right? I've had multiple businesses. This is not the first time where I quit to, to start. This is only the first time that I really stuck with it. So if I have the perseverance, like it's not about, and I was reading, um, the Science of Getting Rich by Walter D. Waddles. And he says, you can get rich in any business. Like it does, I don't care what you do. There are rich uh, electricians, lawyers, plumb. You can pick anything, right? But I think that we have to get away from, like I said, aspiring to these six-figure jobs, create a business where you can employ other people, where you can really, really tap into your gifts. Like I said, you have the person, most people give up. Athletes know what it's like to fall down and get back up, to miss the first free throw and go back and make the second. Like you already, I think that we have this skill set that is just so parallel to what's needed to survive as an entrepreneur, to thrive in, as an entrepreneur. So that's what the journey has really been like for me. And the best part is now, because I don't want to just learn something and hoard it. Like the best part for me now, my successful moment is being able to teach this to others, to package it together and empower other people who look like me to, to get that freedom that they really, really want. Nice. So um, what, what you do, can you kind of, you know, give a, a quick of what you do just in case somebody, one of our listeners might be interested in, in working with you, um, kind of what you do and how can they get in contact with you um you know for sure so i have um i have two things going right now so i have sets for life where i have um an online university the first course that i have is university 101 it's called lab it's life after basketball so they're student athletes well really basketball players um it's like three parts and it literally walks you through the information I wish I would have had when I was an undergrad or when I was one to two years removed. Um, and I do some working with athletes one-on-one -on -one there. Um, and in addition to Sets for Life, I had I started another company called Relentless Mobile Notary. And a lot of times we hear about, like, when we study wealth and success, we hear about real estate, right? It's a recurring thing. Real estate, real estate, real estate, real estate. You hear it over and over again. But a lot of people might say, man, I don't have the money to go and get, like, a rental property or do this or do that. And a lot of times you might hear people talking about like wholesaling, you know, like as sort of the back door to maybe get your foot into real estate. But I think that one of the best kept secrets in real estate is being a notary. Like no, 
no loan closes. Nobody can buy a house, sell a house, or refinance it without a notary being there. And a lot of times when you think real estate, you think about your real estate agents who make a lot of money, who are the top of the food chain. You think about your loan officers. There are so many people who get paid when somebody buys a house, sells a house, refinances a house, buys an investment property, whatever. And a lot of times when you're a real estate agent, you are literally walking clients through homes for months, right? If you're a loan officer, you got a deal in the pipe for months, right? As a notary, you literally show up on the last day and you get paid more in one hour than I was getting paid for an entire day at my job. So that's some of the things I've been working on now. So if somebody wants more information, they can definitely reach out. Joy, I love your qualities. I do. I, I mean, as this conversation continues to go on, I, I just hear the passion in your voice. Um, and, and, and truly, I know this is crazy to say, I hear the joy <laughs> in what you do. You know what I mean? I can tell that you, you really enjoy uh, what you do, not only um, pushing yourself to be the best version of Joy Walker that you can be, but also helping those around you. And and I'm telling you, Joy, that's the reason why we started this platform, um, is to highlight um the black excellence, you know, that's walking around here on this on this earth. Um and you don't have to be, you know, like we was talking about earlier from a low major, mid major power five and all that, like to be considered excellent. You know what I mean? Um you're doing it. You're doing it right now and everything that you do. Um, and so with that being said, Joy, um, we deem you royalty, you know, and obviously we want to give you your flowers um, today uh, because, again, it's the things you're saying, the message that you're trying to convey, um, it's going to help somebody out there. Um, whether it's somebody that's listening that that tunes in to our podcast or if somebody forwards it along to somebody that has nothing to do with our podcast, it's going to help somebody along the way. So um, we truly appreciate you sharing that, all right? But I know one thing about it, you know, earlier you talking about the thing you take pride in is your legacy, all right? And I know you're going to do some tremendous things when it's all said and done. Um, but when that time come and, and it's time for Joy to step off, all right, the throne, all right, and you pass your crown to the next young lady. What's one message that you want to leave in that crown for her as she begins to take her walk in life? I think my biggest thing now is I would challenge that young lady to question everything. Question everything. Don't just go for the norm. Don't just do what everybody else is doing. And there, there are some things that that we're that we're told especially as young african americans that might not necessarily be true that might something that applied to my mom in 1970 might not work in 2020 right so i think that it is so important to be self-taught i think it's important to educate yourself i think it's important to read to study i think it's important to form your own opinion like don't let instagram and twitter tell you how you should live your life i think that it is so important to sometimes 
see what everybody else is doing and don't be afraid to blaze your own trail don't be afraid to go the opposite way like be you like if you are sitting on your gifts you are robbing us you are robbing the world of what it is that you were sent here to do because you're so worried about other people's opinion you're so worried about fitting in like don't be afraid to really really challenge i literally i have spent the last year unlearning everything i was taught and it has opened up a whole new world to me like i'm not the same person that i was this time last year and i think that that comes from not just going along with the group think what's popular like really really and you can't just have an opinion based on something that you thought up two minutes ago like it should be well thought out it should be researched. It should be, it should be something that you really, really feel to be true, even if it's not necessarily popular. So just really, really challenge the status quo, challenge the norm. And that is how I think that you leave your own legacy. I want to thank you so, so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast episode. Um, I want to give a huge shout out to Rising Coaches for partnering with us and giving us this platform um, to share these amazing stories real quick. Guys, if you are not a member of Rising Coaches and you are in the basketball profession, you want to coach, you're a seasoned coach, you're a beginner coach, it does not matter. I want to encourage you to check out Rising Coaches. Um, join Rising Coaches and become a member of the largest coaching tree in basketball. Over 1,300 members from all levels, high school to NBA, gain access to over 1,000 hours of coaching clinics um, and build genuine relationships with other coaches. Rising Coaches provides the community and the resources that will help you have long-term success in the coaching industry. Please visit Rising Coaches to join or if you got any questions, hit me up.